but to trust and obey. Questions spark conversation and stimulate learning. When we ask, we learn. Jesus asked many questions during his ministry, but most of Jesus' questions were not asked to learn something he didn't already know. His questions were usually asked to teach us something we need to know. What can we learn from the questions Jesus asked? Well, I've really enjoyed this, this series on questions Jesus asked. And today, as we wrap up that series, we're going to ask the question, why do you not do what I say? So in your Bible, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 6. That's what we'll be studying this morning. Before we get into our text, let me just say a little bit about next Sunday, our Angel Park Community Project. By the way, it's just great to be here with y'all. I, I get to sit down here so I get to hear all your singing and then just to look around and see everyone. We are thrilled you're here. If it's first time for you or, or first time back or here all the time, we're, we're love. And, and it's, you can't help but think of all the wonderful people at home. We have hundreds each week that watch uh, from home because they can't be here or maybe they're even out of state. And for each of you, we want you to know we, we love the fact that you tune in and thanks for checking in with us. Next Sunday is a special day. We'll be uh, giving and pledging towards Angel Park Community Project. You know, this last year we celebrated our centennial, and we didn't want that to be a time of saying, oh, look at all the wonderful things we do, put the spotlight on us. Instead, we wanted to talk about how God's light has shone through us into the community and to honor that work and to think ahead to the future. And one of the things that came to mind as we were in those dream stages was Angel Park. You know, we've, we've been in this building for 20-plus years now, and we've always dreamed of, of Angel Park and what it could become, although we've used it all along the ways. I mean, we do so much out there already. There's so many good things happening. But how could that even be more of a light in our community, uh, another open door, another point of light? And, uh, you know, we're right across from Hafer Park. People are here all the time. And so we put together a group to kind of say, if, if we were to do something, what would that mean? And we, uh, so we started getting some costs and some potential, looked at what we used, and then put the money on it. It came back significantly higher than anything I ever dreamed or imagined. And so we kind of tried to do it in phases so that we could do it as we had the funds, and also we could adjust it as people had dreams. And so in your classes today, you were asked to join in that dream. We launched it on our centennial. We asked you, okay, here's some foundational work that it would take to make this happen now you dream as well but even in the original stages we knew in a significant way we wanted to do more than we were doing to be a light in our community so we at least came up with this concept of a meditation station you know the trail goes right in front of it so just take a little nook pull off of it make it a quiet place maybe things a place where people could fix their bikes use some etch some scripture in it you know just make it a nice peaceful place uh, from us for the community but we also thought of the many ways that it's already being used and could be used more. So a pavilion seemed to be something that would be a real blessing um, for, for the community to come. Oftentimes they don't want to come in a building, but maybe they would come to a structure like that. So we dreamed about this pavilion and what it could look like. And, and maybe off to the side that kind of expands a little bit more, a fire pit and a little amphitheater built into the wall and then a great lawn out there where all the many things that are already happening there you know Adam Laughlin and Dan Strolls and Caleb Dacus and all that group of guys do a wonderful job keeping up with that 
but there are a whole lot of sandburrs to mow over there. And wouldn't it be nice if it had irrigation and some few other things that made it a little bit easier for those guys to keep, keep it under control. And on the day of our celebration, the food trucks out there, that was, that was incredible. I mean, so that kind of gave me a whole new idea of, of ways that that could possibly uh, be used. And then even more ideas have come to the forefront. And I hope we got more in your classes today. The whole point is God can do so much more than we can imagine. And so we've asked each of you to join us in praying something like this. Lord, please do more than we can imagine. More in the ideas that we hadn't even thought of, but also more than we can imagine on the expenses because it is a significant amount of money. But the church is committed to, to not going into long-term debt over this, not going into debt. So next Sunday, we have an opportunity to give one-time gifts and also make a pledge for the year of 2023. And based upon that, and uh, where we feel God's leading us, that kind of determines how far we go. And, and there's so many wonderful ways that, that I think God can use this, not just for us. I mean, we're already using the park. Would it be nice to have restrooms at Vacation Bible School? Yeah. And a lot of other things, and, and maybe utilities. You understand there's not one utility in Angel Park. Not one. Electricity, water, septic, nothing. And so wouldn't it be nice to build that infrastructure, but you do the underground work so you don't have to tear everything up when you do it later, so that comes in near the front, of the front of the project. A lot of planning and people are working on that. Now it's our time to join in. First of all, in dreaming about potential uses that would be a light in our community, and second, in asking God what he would have us to do to help make this project happen. And so at, at this time, Del Lawler is gonna come on behalf of our shepherds and make a statement or two and lead us in a prayer on next Sunday. This is an exciting time for the Edmund Church. You know, the Lord has blessed us and blessed us so many ways uh, over the years, and he continues to bless us. He continues to bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. And yet, we want to ask him to help us in this project. You know, Jesus wants us to be a light in this community. He, as we talked about being a light, reaching out you know he said in his sermon on the mount in the same way let your light shine before men that they may see your good work deeds and praise your father in heaven and that last statement is what it's all about that men may praise our god and our savior jesus christ enid and i are really excited about this project and with god's hope with God's help, we plan to help support this. And we hope that you will too. This is something that all of us can be involved in in one way or another. And as we look at this, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you give us each and every day, for the blessings you have given us, Father, that we can't even count. And Father, this is another blessing that we're looking at you for. Father, you've given us this land. It's yours. And we pray that we may use it in a way that would bring glory and honor to you. Father, we know you love us. We love you, Father, and we love Jesus, our Savior. Please, Father, help us through this time and bless us and 
our plans, but we want these plans, Father, to emphasize that you be glorified. Glorified in all we do. Glorified in the lives that we live and the way that we try to reach out to others with your precious gospel. Be with us, Father. Watch over us and bless us. For it's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks, Dale. I appreciate that. Looking forward to the future and what God has in store for us. So why do you not do what I say? Jesus might have said it first, but every mother in this room said it since. Quoted the Bible. Yep. I've been quoted at many times as a son and as a husband. Why didn't you do what I said? Well, it didn't sound like a whole lot of fun, to be quite honest. I sounded like a whole lot of work. I didn't want to get go there. And I just didn't want to. Just didn't want to do it. Everybody else is doing something else, and I wanted to do what everybody else was doing. Looked like a whole lot more fun than, than taking out the trash. And besides that, I don't care what your age is. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm an American. Yeah. Got my rights. Got freedom. In the words of Jesus, though, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And that's the key. And do not do what I say. This morning, through your presence here, joining in with us, we are declaring Jesus is Lord, Lord of our lives. We all have it in common. We've come to worship our Lord. But what about when we leave? As we walk through the week, as, as we splash through the storms of life, why do you not do what I say? When Jesus said those words, he was talking to people who had one thing in common. They were hearing him. And they also had something in common in that they weren't following him. And so he was going to paint a picture for him. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me try and make this real in your life. I'm going to give you a couple of options, and I want to show you what they look like. So verse 47, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So as he, as he paints this picture in Luke 47 and 49, if you just look at those two verses, the one thing that you can see here that they have in common is they all heard Jesus. They all hear my word. They were all hearers. They all heard the same words. And I would suggest that all of us today have that in common. We are hearing the words of Jesus. But there is also a difference between all the people that heard these words, and that was in their actions. They weren't putting it into practice. You, know, you remember what they were hearing from Jesus? They were hearing things like this. I tell you, you shouldn't murder anybody, but don't even hate them. You shouldn't commit adultery, but don't even lust after a woman in your heart. 
Don't be a person of revenge. If somebody strikes you on one cheek, you turn the other cheek. If they force you to go one mile, go a second mile. Don't just do good to those who love you, but love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on this earth, but treasures in heaven. Stop worrying. Stop judging. He says, that's the ones that put it into practice. But the difference between the, these two characteristics is just the word not. It's the not living. It's the not putting them into practice. That's the difference. They're living their lives based on what they see around them, pursuing money and materialism and entertainment and doing what's fun. The big question is, does this make me feel good? It's always a shifting landscape. So today this makes me feel good. Tomorrow that doesn't. And if I do a little lying and cheating, that maybe makes me feel better. So it's just a moving target. It's just like sand, chasing the feel good at the moment. The old preacher tells a story of a little boy who was overheard praying and prayed, Oh Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a really good time like I am. Cute when it's a child, but that child's going to grow up. And we've seen both sides of that. I'll tell you something else that both of these images have in common. They were both struck by the torrent. The storm came for both. They have that in common, and we all have that in common. Every one of us here today, the storms come. The rain comes on the just and the unjust, and the floods rise, and the difficulties happen. When it storms, it storms on us all, maybe at different times. But there is a big difference about when the torrent strikes. For the first, when the torrent struck, it could not shake it. It was well built. Because they had heard and obeyed, and this person had gone to a place of permanence instead of just play. They chose to obey and build, not for fun, not for leisure or pleasure. They built for obedience, because that's what God called them to do. They obeyed. It wasn't in the prettiest location. It wasn't right on the beach, right on the sand, where the waves were, were lapping at your feet. It was in hard rock. It was more difficult, maybe not quite as pretty in ways. But when the storm hit, it stood. The other built at a place where it was easy to level it off, sandy, look at the view. And when the storm hit, it not only collapsed, it was a life completely destroyed all of us find ourselves in the midst of the storm every one of us the difference is who we are with within the storm God says in Isaiah 43 verses 2 through 3 he describes what that looks like when you pass through the waters I will be with you and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. 
For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you build your life on the rock, that place of permanence, you go through the storm. I mean, there's times when every one of us feel like we are in over our heads. We are about to drown in the situation. But you're not alone. God's there with you. You're, you're on the foundation. There are times when life is going so quickly, you think the river's just going to fl- push you off your feet and, and you're just going to flow away. And yet God holds us stable in the midst of all those rapid changes. And everybody that's ever walked this earth has felt burned up and burned out. The heat is on. And yet for those of us who build our lives on the rock, our Savior is there with us. The difference is we face these situations with the Savior. Characters all through the Bible have lived this out for us to see. Hebrews 11 tells us several of them, like verse 7. It was by faith that Noah heard God's warnings about things he could not yet see. He obeyed God and built a large boat to save his family. I mean, this is put into practice living. This is doing what what Jesus calls us to do. And that's what Noah did. He heard what God wanted him to do. He didn't know it didn't make any sense to him. He looked around and nobody else was building a boat. And yet he believed God. And even in the midst of his understanding, he obeyed God and he saved his family. Or how about Abraham in verse 8? By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> God, you, you say go? I, I'm just going to obey. I don't get it. I don't even know where it is. But here we go. Our favorite children's story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who put their faith in God even in the midst of the unknowns. Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your, your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This put into practice kind of living determines what we do, where we go. And in the midst of it all, it is that posture that we take with us. But putting into practice living can be hard. It is challenging. I mean, choosing to live by the Beatitudes, to to live in such a way that that we control our anger and our lust. I mean, listening to Jesus' teachings on divorce and oaths and vengeance, and then putting that into practice in our lives and loving our enemies and living lives of humility and laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. This is challenging. But the key to it is obedience. I love this definition. We've used it before here at Edmund of obedience, conforming to the ways and will of God. Isn't that a great definition? Obedience here means conforming to the ways and will of God, even when we don't understand it. When we understand, I mean, a lot of what God says makes sense, and and we obey it because it makes sense, and that's good. We should. But sometimes it doesn't always make sense at the moment. What are we going to do then? Will we obey then? I love this quote attributed to Mark Twain. 
When I read the Bible, the parts that trouble me the most are not the ones I don't understand, but the ones I do understand. Hey, the whole point is, there's some things we don't understand. Let's obey. But there's a lot of things we do understand. And are we doing those? But the key is obedience. We believe, so we do. And if you don't, don't totally understand it, you do it anyway. Why? Because we have declared, Lord, Lord. I, not, it's not me anymore. And I obey my Lord. If I understand, and even if I don't. By the way, Jesus showed us how this looked. Because it's hard. And I'm telling you, the twelve didn't get it I mean they, they listened they were there listening and, and they witnessed all Jesus was doing and still they tried to build on authority and power and popularity Judas and the others thought it was a waste of money to pour out that perfume when it could be sold and they would have the power at the money that it was sold for at their hands James and John thought it would wanted to be second in command so they would be in positions of power and so did the other 12 as well Peter in the garden took out his sword and attacked to keep his vision of his dream of dominance alive and then the storm hit and they all ran they all got swept away in Luke chapter 22 verse 62 it says of Peter Peter who denied the Lord went out and wept bitterly does that sound like a house that just crumbled and was totally destroyed a sand that crumbled a house that crumbled in the sands of expectation but in the midst of that same same story stood our Savior the same storm and there he stood there he stayed there he suffered and there he saved each and every one of us and that changed everything for them and for us Philippians 2.8 and when he was living as a man he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God fully obedient to God even when that caused his death death on the cross well that changed everything changed everything for those men Acts 4 tells the story of Peter and John and uh, the same people that Peter denied the Christ in front of now are trying to intimidate him and John and stop their voices after Jesus has been resurrected and has ascended into heaven Christ appeared to them and it changed them they had witnessed Jesus die and they had witnessed Jesus rise they had heard his forgiveness and they remembered his teachings and now they became men who obeyed ones who obeyed they put this into practice and stood up for those who were trying to sweep them away, sweep their faith away. Acts 4.13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, 
they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were no longer shifting sands or pebbles that roll away. They were rocks of obedience and of faith. They were no longer interpreting life through the lens of this world, but they were listening to and living like Jesus. And when we do that, we, like them, can stand in the storms of life. And when the torrents come, we stand. Paul described this put-into-practice kind of person in Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That's what we're called to do. Not just to say, Lord, Lord, but to live it in our lives. There comes a time when all of us need to examine our lives. I mean, you're, you're here. We, we're trying, aren't we? So how are we doing? There's a beautiful story of a, a man that came to Jesus who was trying hard, but he knew something was wrong. It just wasn't quite right. I mean, he, had, he, he, had, he was trying to do what's right. And he came to Jesus in Matthew 19 and asked, what do I lack? And Jesus pointed him to many of the things he already knew. But here's this question. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. What did he have? He, he had he had too much time and energy invested in a life built on wealth. I mean, that's who he was. That's, that's where he'd thrown his energy. He, he had built this beautiful house of life on the sand. And it was still standing. And he just couldn't walk away from it. It's not easy to build a life on the rock. It takes effort. It takes digging deep. It means that we keep in touch with the rock in the torrents of life because that's where we find our stability and strength. It's not just in words. But then when the torrent comes, when it strikes, we stay. When we're hit hard, we hold on. Why? Because we're well built. We don't just acknowledge Jesus as Lord. We obey Him. And we submit to Him. And then we don't just stay on the surface. That obedience goes to the core, to the rock. Obedience, to conform to the ways and will of God. It's the strongest foundation on which you can build your life. But it means we have to walk away from the beach, walk away from the sand, from the easy way of life. And I want you to know, whatever your age is, it never is going to get easier than now. 
the more time and energy you invest in the structure on the sand, the harder it is to walk away. It never gets easier. But I pray that you will listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to him. And believe in him. And confess him as Lord of your life. And in doing that, that means you have to repent of the way you've been living and change and follow his path and his way, a life of obedience. To do that, we give our lives to him. And we're baptized and have our sins washed away. And then we build our lives anew. We build friendships based upon the rock. We build career and investment based upon the rock. We build a family based upon that truth and that rock. What we do for entertainment is based upon obedience to Jesus. And it is a life well built. I'm not your mama, but I will quote the words of Jesus to you today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Maybe it's your day to surrender all. And for those of us who have surrendered our lives to him but took back control, maybe it's time to come home. A couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's just a little room right back here. If you'd like to meet with them in a more private setting, they'd love to pray with you, pray for you, talk to you. We'd also like to join in prayer for you. If you need to respond publicly this morning, we'd invite you to come right now as we stand together and sing. Oh, to Jesus I surrender.